For the folks who don't know, um, from my uh, research I've done on Nick, Nick goes way back, uh, not to make Nick feel old, but just (laughs) as as we talk about each week, music is so important to us, and Nick has a really unique career that we're going to talk about, and around the Connecticut area now, he has his own company, Hops and Branding, you can check that website out, hopsandbranding.com, you can find him on all the social sites, and it's really great to see kind of what you're doing now and what you've done throughout your career, so really, like I said... Thank you once again for being here. My pleasure, man. This is awesome. Awesome. So if you were kind of doing your overall, you know, your pitch or your, your story, your elevator, you know, <laughs> just summarize uh, to us and we'll, we'll kind of get started, you know, how you got into doing art and design. Wow. Um, well, I mean, like you said, not to make yourself feel old, but it definitely it goes back uh, a bit. Um, you know, I went to school in, in the city and uh, when I graduated, um, I out of school, I got um, my first gig actually was at Jive Records. Uh, it was back in uh, August of uh, 1989. Uh, I started there, and they were just about to um, open their own art department. Uh, they had previously been working with RCA Records, and um, they uh, hired me shortly after that, like in February of uh, 1990. So I became full time in the art department there. Um, and then worked in the record business for, uh, for about 15 years. Wow. I worked at Jive Records solely, and um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Uh, I was there really at the right time, golden age of hip-hop. It was just a fantastic time to be in, in the record business. Yeah. I mean, some of the your discography, which is great. Uh, it's even great if you, look, you Google Nick. There's, like, sites that do the proper justice, kind of, of the discography of the art that you created, so to see that yeah. that laundry list was pretty was pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was just it was it was an amazing time in, in music, particularly hip hop. I was very fortunate uh, to be at Drive Records at the time. Um, you know, I was art directing and designing packaging. I was art directing photo shoots, uh, going out on location, traveling around the country. So it was really cool. I mean, it was it was absolutely amazing um, to be part of it. And looking back on it, it maybe even cooler than I, you know, yeah. like when you kind of look back at stuff, it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, having the opportunity to work with such a great roster of artists, and what was cool is that the fact that it really changed over time. Started off as a small little hip-hop label and then morphed into this big pop powerhouse. So I started out working with Cool Modi and Houdini and Samantha Fox, Billy Ocean, um, and then over time uh, worked with... Uh, Boogie Down Productions, BDP, uh, worked with the Tribe Called Quest, um, and for them, I um, my first foray into working with them was kind of helping out, actually, towards the end of working on the Can I Kick It 12-inch single, and then um, did my first kind of album design with them for Low End Theory, right. where I did all the hand lettering that's on the album, and so the entire interior is all hand lettered as well as the exterior and the tray card on the outside. So I did that and then um, hand lettering for Midnight Marauders. And they were always just fantastic to work with. I mean just I mean just genius. I mean they were they were amazing guys and really had a lot to do with um, with Q Tip, who was really kind of the creative mastermind behind their vision. That's that's great. Yeah, that at the low end theory to that album, the imagery and, and the work on that kind of became almost 
like standard or iconic part of their brand. I mean, that, those characters and that, that mm-hmm. look, you see that through all of their work throughout yeah, the, the history. Yeah, I mean, it's really, um, there was a, the art director who had worked on that album was this woman, Jean Kelly. Um, and she kind of, she was in charge of setting up the photo shoot and working with get uh, shooting the painted lady. That was actually a woman who was painted in Dayglow paint that they shot live yeah. at the time. Um, and then she had me do all the hand lettering for that. So it was, it was really cool to, cool to be part of that. And um, and then she also art directed and was kind of in uh, charge of uh, Midnight Marauders. Um, putting that together where we had done photo shoots on both sides of the um, country. We did uh, New York and then LA and just put out a kind of a bulletin to publicists and different labels like, hey, you guys, you artists want to come down, come down and we're doing these headshots for this photo shoot that's going to be on, on this upcoming uh, Tropical Quest album. So, um, and then I was able to do, um, you know, kind of do my lettering again for that. So for the title and for the... Uh, for a tribe called Quest itself, so right, and you worked on KRS One, uh, uh-huh. you know, yep. and then you're saying the almost the complete opposite end of the spectrum. For when you, th- when I think of Jive, I think of it as the hip hop. Yeah, most people of, do. I mean, that's really. But what it was known actually for. exciting to look and see that, you know, all the boy band stuff, the you know, Backstreet yep. Boys, which, yep. <laughs> which yeah. I think is that's. I mean, the boy. You could argue the Jackson Five or all. You know, the the boy bands have been a staple of music forever. But mm-hmm. just to sure. see that. I would, yeah, I would originally, was, I was like shocked at how much stuff was on there. I mean, there's R. Kelly, uh, yep. Bud, Buddy Guy, yep. I mean, it was really a diverse, you know, portfolio of artists. Yeah, I mean, again, it was really, I was really fortunate yeah. with um, just the company had several kind of sub-labels. So Zomba Recording Corp was the parent company. Uh, Jive Records was their main, main label, but they also had Silvertone Records, which was a blues and rock label. And they also had Verity Records, which was a gospel label. So I got to work actually on a lot of gospel albums as well, which was an amazing experience. Or to really be involved with that was really eye-opening and, and just incredible. Just to be witness to that type of performance was really, really soul-stirring, so to speak. So, um, so they also had um, uh, Battery Records, which was kind of a label that they used to put records on that they didn't know what they wanted to do with. So we had um, purchased, of, uh, what was it? Um, we turned it into Volcano Records, but it was Zoo. Okay. I don't know if you remember Zoo Records from the 90s, and that was, Tool was on that, right. Matthew Sweet was on that, and um, Weird Al was also kind of part of Tool. He was part of another um, label. I'm trying to remember what that label was. Uh, Scotty Brothers. So... They had purchased Scotty Brothers, so it's all, all the stuff kind of came our way. Yeah. And so it was super cool to kind of all of a sudden be able to work on all this. And, and I almost got to work with Tool, which would have been um, incredible. Yeah. But it, it didn't quite work out. But I did actually get to work with 311. Right. Which was really cool. Um, and then through Silvertone was Buddy Guy, John Mayall from John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Right. Um, so there was just so much there. It was just, like I said, I was totally right place right time and it just I kind of wrote it out and it was great 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 place to work and I got to do everything from soup to nuts so so when I worked on stuff it wasn't just designing like I got to meet with the artist and the and the management I got to brainstorm with with them and and, and, t- and talk about what my, my concepts were pitch those ideas then make those ideas of fruition setting up photo shoots directing the photo shoots producing the photo shoots booking you know uh 
travel, booking um, stylists, hair, makeup, um, booking um, uh, location vans, like you name it, I did it and worked on a range of stuff from basically like $500 photo shoots all in to, um, you know, uh, I forget what NSYNC was like $25,000 or, no, I mean $250,000. So that was a huge photo shoot that was done with, um, that was the No Strings Attached album. Right. And that was done with Mark Seliger, who was a big uh, Rolling Stone right. uh, cover photographer. So I worked with him on that. So it, it, the, the range was just incredible. So at one time, literally, I would do what we called um, kind of run and gun rogue kind of photo shoots where we'd fly in with the photographer, rent the van, I would drive the van, the artist would be in the van, we'd have some clothes, they would change clothes in the van, we'd jump out, shoot, no permits, no nothing, and then move on to the next location. <laughs> it was just crazy. It was crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. It's not like it, I don't know if you could do it today. I'm not sure. Like, I think there's too many people that are aware, too many cell phones, too many phones, camera phones. Like, that stuff didn't exist. Right. Now, so people weren't in your face and, 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 and filming stuff and posting it. Like, it just didn't happen. Yeah, as soon as you made that first location, you'd have been spotted by somebody. And yeah, then, potentially, yeah. And then it kind of would, would trickled, yeah. Yeah, like, hey, what are you guys doing, you know? Yeah. Like, I ran around Austin doing that with this kind of um, Stevie Ray Vaughan gunslinger blues guitarist named Chris Duarte who was an incredible artist, but we like just ran around Austin, Texas. And at one point, we I just rented out a bar before they opened for like 300 bucks and spent like five hours in a bar drinking Lone Star at like nine in the morning. So it's cool. Yeah, that is cool. 